0: This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Everything in moderation. That was a fa- favorite phrase of my grandpa Gady. He would, he would say that mostly around alcohol as he was pouring himself a drink. He'd say, everything in moderation, right? But it's a good phrase, not just when it comes to drinking, but really to any area of our life, everything in moderation when it comes to food and and finances and and entertainment. And and that really leads us into our sermon today, the the last uh, word in our study from Galatians chapter 5, where we've looked at this this, uh, verse. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that's the word that we're gonna be focusing on today, self-control, everything in moderation. And not only is this really important for for all of us, but this has been a a personal battle for me. Um, You see, I grew up an overweight kid, didn't have much self-control, and and that lack of self-control kind of spilled over into other areas of my life. Um, It it led to to bad time management and maybe uh, issues with finances and things like that. And and, and so for much of my life, I have been trying to focus on self-control, become a more self-controlled person. It's been a personal battle for me. And as I started sharing with people uh, this last week or so and, and letting you know that I was working on this, this topic of, of self-control, so many of you came up to me and said, that's my battle. That's what I struggle with. I struggle with self-control. And I think there's a reason for that. I think so many of us struggle with self-control because I believe today it is harder to be self-controlled than any other time in history our whole environment, everything around us is being designed to get us to binge, to overindulge, isn't it? I mean, let's just take food, for example. Our bodies, they, they naturally crave salty and sweet flavors because usually in nature, uh, those salty and sweet flavors are the ones that bring the most amount of nutrients. When you think about fruits and vegetables and meats, but but guess what's happened? You know, the food companies have supercharged those those sweet and salty flavors like corn syrup and MSG, like supercharge them. So we're so uh, drawn to them. And then they suck out all the nutrients so you keep on eating, never feeling satisfied. As one author put it, that's why you can eat a whole package of Oreos and be just as hungry when you're done eating, just feeling bloated, right, as when you started. Because it's all designed to keep you eating, keep you overindulging. It's designed to make you do that. Or, or think about Finances. There was a time when you put in a hard day's work, and they would give you some green paper at the end of the day, some hard cash. And then you would put that green hard cash in your pocket. You would go to the store, and then you have this emotional moment when you'd see something on the shelf. Right? You look at your money, the hard, your hard-earned cash, and then you kind of evaluate it. Is this money worth buying that product? And if it wasn't, you had some self-control because you saw that money. Now, we don't have money in our pockets anymore. We got all this plastic stuff in our pockets, right? And you don't even have to um, swipe the credit card anymore. No, you wave it like a magic wand over the sensor, right? Ring! And you can buy whatever you want, right? It's all designed to keep you from being self-controlled until at the end of the month you look at your credit card and you think, what did I do? I didn't even know I bought that stuff, right? Or them on entertainment. There was a time when when you sat down and you watched a movie or a TV show and it came to an end. Not anymore right? it just autoplay, right? And it takes a great amount of self-control to not binge watch for hours on end, Netflix or YouTube videos, right? And I even talked about Facebook or the endless scroll, just hoping maybe maybe a couple more minutes or hours or days, maybe somewhere down at the bottom of this, I'm going to find something useful. It just keeps you addicted, keeps you going. And, and so I've done uh, a great deal of, of reading for myself to try to figure out how to have more self-control in today's world. So here's just a a few of the books that I've been reading. Many more that I've read that have really helped me with self-control. Probably one of my favorite authors, uh, Cal Newport, he wrote a book, uh, Deep Work, about how we can still have deep Uh, mental work in this distracted world. Another uh, book written by Cal Newport was Digital Minimalism. That one was really good. Probably my favorite book lately has been by James Clear, uh, a book called Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits, uh, uh, just a fantastic book. And and so I've read all these books and and they've kind of helped me change my environment a little bit. And so when it comes to food, I know that I can't have this kind of addictive kind of food in the house of, of high sugar kind of stuff because I'll just keep eating without stopping, without breaks. So I've tried to change my environment, take some of that food out of the house. I try to go to bed earlier so that I sleep better and, and a, little, a little bit more self-control and willpower energy at the end of the day to be able to face those temptations. When it comes to finance, I've tried to take out more cash to to, to have that ouch moment when you go to the store, try to change my environment. Uh, When we moved here, uh, we had this decision. We have one TV, and we were thinking, okay, where are we going to put the TV? We're going to put it up in the living room where we see it every time we walk in and just kind of mindlessly flip it on. We decided instead to put it downstairs so that we have to physically think about, okay, if we want to watch a movie, we got to go downstairs and go watch that movie. And so we've done some things to, to change our environment around us. But guess what? Even after changing all of these things on the outside, I still struggle with self-control. Why is that? I mean, if you took away all of the things that, that, that tempt you, why is it that we still struggle with food and finances and entertainment and all these different things? Well, because it's not just an environmental issue. It's not just something that happens on the outside. And I think this ad from 1967, the Lay's potato chip ad, makes my point. Now, you might know the, I bet you can't just eat one idea, but look at what they did in 1967. They put Eve in the garden eating. She's not eating the the forbidden fruit. She's eating a potato chip, right? And there's the devil there kind of, you know, tempting her to eat more. It's kind of a cute little ad to try to sell potato chips, but it makes my point That these things that we struggle with are not just um, habits. They're not just environmental issues, the things that are going on outside of us. There's a spiritual element. It's not just a, a struggle on the outside, there's an internal struggle. And so, if we're gonna see any self control, we can't just read books. As good as these books are, read these books. We can't just work on our habits, we gotta work on our hearts. It's not just about our finances and food and Facebook. It's about our faith. And so uh, here's the question I want to answer today. How can we begin to experience true self-control? How can we begin to experience true self-control? And to answer that question, I'm going to go to the book of Titus. It's actually a letter. It's only one page in my Bible, uh, the book of Titus. And um, this was a letter written by, The Apostle Paul, he also wrote Galatians that we've been studying. He wrote this letter to his apprentice, Titus. And the main thrust of this letter, the reason he wrote this letter, is he was telling Titus that he wanted Titus to go back to Crete. Uh, It's a little island off of of Greece. To go back to Crete uh, because there were some crazy things going on in the Cretan culture. Um, You see, Crete was known for a culture, an island that overindulged. In fact, they had the reputation maybe that we would think of when it comes to uh, Las Vegas, right? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Sin City, you know, that kind of idea that Las Vegas is the place you go to to overindulge. And you overindulge so much, you don't want to bring that back home, right? And that's kind of what Crete was like. If you lived 2,000 years ago, you would say, what happens in Crete stays in Crete, right? It was just a crazy, toga-wearing, uh, you know, Greek culture, just kind of a craziness that was going on in Crete. And, and, and Paul actually reminds them of this by quoting their own poets. Uh, he says this, you know what? Hey, you Cretans, one of your own prophets has said this. This is what you guys are saying. This is the press that you guys are making. It says, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. So you guys are saying this about yourself, that that, that this culture is out of control. You guys are eating too much, drinking too much, partying too much. You guys are out of control in Crete. And here was the problem that Paul struggled with, is that was spilling over into the church. That was spilling over in the church. There was no real difference between what was going on in the church and what was going on in the culture, and I guess that was the concern I have. When I look at my life, sometimes I'm wondering, is there really that much of a difference between my self-control and maybe my neighbors who don't believe in Jesus? What about you? Is is there that big of a difference between how you look at entertainment, how you look at food, how you look at money, how you look at things as maybe your neighbors who don't know Jesus? Or do we need to make a change? And Paul says, we need to make a change. That's how he's sending Titus back to Crete to kind of work with the Christian church to say, we need to change the way we're living. Now, what Paul could have done is he could have used all of uh, this kind of literature. There was literature like this back then. It was, it was mostly from the Stoics, Stoicism, and, and, and Speakers and writers like Marcus Aurelius and and others were were writing things that that you could read today. Same kind of stuff of being self-controlled, about having a sober kind of lifestyle. But instead of quoting Stoics and the philosophies of the day, as as good as that is, as helpful as this stuff is, and it's helpful, he said something else. Here's what Paul says in chapter 2, verse 11. He says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Because I want to talk to you about the grace of God. Now, if you've been here for any amount of time, you've heard that week after week, we talk about the grace of God. That's what we talk about every week. That's how we open up the service. That's what we sing about. We're all about the grace of God. Why? Because it offers salvation to all people, makes you right with God. It it makes you right with God. And and, and you've heard that before, but maybe something that you haven't heard and I really haven't thought about before. Paul goes on, he says, this grace of God, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. That's new information for me. I knew that, that the grace of God saves me But here he says, the grace of God teaches me self-control. So if you're doing the the fill-in-the-blank thing on your worship folder, that's the first fill-in-the-blank. The The grace of God teaches us self-control. The grace of God teaches us self-control. Now, how does it do that? How does the grace of God teach us self-control? Well, Paul goes on. He says, Jesus, he gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. I want to focus on that word redeem. That word redeem is, is a word that would have been used um, in the slave trade. Uh, slavery, uh, in, in, in some pla- places in the Roman Empire, there were more slaves uh, than free people. Slavery was just part of the culture. It wasn't an ethnic thing necessarily. It was just it was, it was how people paid off their debt. They would enslave themselves to other people. And so if you would pay off somebody's debt, you set them free. And that's what Paul is saying, that Jesus came in and redeemed us, set us free. Well, what did he set us free from? Well, so many of our addictive patterns can feel so enslaving, can't they? It goes something like this. You eat that thing you weren't going to eat. You told yourself, I'm going to that party, and I'm not going to eat that this time. I'm going to drink five gallons of water. I'm going to stay away from it. And then you get done, and you ate that thing you weren't going to eat, and you overate that thing you weren't going to eat. And then you go home and you feel guilty. You don't feel good. You ate too much. You drank too much. You you said the things you weren't going to say, and and, and you feel guilty about how you acted. You overindulged. And then what do we do? Because we overindulge. What do we do to kind of cover over that guilt that we feel? We go to the fridge and pull out that gallon of ice cream, right, to to cover over how we felt uh, for feeling guilty. And then it just comes this enslaving pattern. You know, oh, why did I buy that? I feel so guilty that I overspent. And so to cover over that guilt of overspending, what do we do? Check on Amazon and kind of release that feeling of guilt by having that pleasure of buying something new. You know, I binged watched again. Oh, I want to get something done today. I feel so guilty. I'm, oh, What can I do to distract myself from feeling bad about binge watching? Oh, maybe there's something on TV, right? And we get caught in this kind of addictive, uh, enslaving pattern where we feel guilty for doing something. And then to cover over our guilt, to distract us from our guilt, we go right back into it and we just keep going down in this pattern and it's enslaving. But Paul says, You've been redeemed, you've been bought. You don't need to punish yourself for yesterday's mistake because Jesus was punished for you. He has set you free. He's paid for your debt. You don't need to keep feeling guilty about that. He paid for it. You're forgiven. You're accepted by Jesus. And, and uh, let me let me tell you a little story from a devotion that our family loves to read. Anything that Sally Lloyd Jones writes for, um, for children's uh, devotional material, we buy. And and here's kind of a teen devotion uh, that she wrote, uh, Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing, Sally Lloyd-Jones. Remember that? Sally Lloyd-Jones. And and here's, here's one of the devotions. Makes my point. During the Civil War era in our country, there was a northerner who bought a young slave girl at a slave auction. As they left the auction, the man says to her, You're free! In amazement, she looks at him and says, You mean I'm free to do whatever I want? Yes, he said. And to say whatever I want to say? Yes, anything. And to be whatever I want to be? Why, yes, indeed. And to go wherever I want to go? Yes, of course, you are free to go wherever you like. She looked at him intently and replied, Then I'll go with you. That's what it looks like to be a Christian. You've been set free Jesus set you free. You can go anywhere you want. And we say, well, I want to go with you, Jesus. Show me what you want me to do. Show me where you want me to go. I want to go with you, Jesus. You have set me free. I want to go with you. And that's how you begin to live a self-controlled life. Now, not only have you been redeemed, but Paul goes on to say, "Um, he gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself. Of people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. God is not just content to set you free. God is interested in purifying you. God is interested in continuing this work, this lifelong work of cleaning up parts of your life that you didn't want to deal with. And so God wants to purify you. Well, how does that happen? How do you get purified? How do you get cleaned up? This whole lifelong process, sometimes we call sanctification, lifelong process of getting cleaned up. Well, I think the people that do it best, I've talked about this before, if you hang out with me for any amount of time, I usually t- are talking about AA or NA, the Alcoholics Anonymous, because I think they do it better than almost anybody else. Uh, they're interested in using resources and literature and, and all the best techniques of the day, but they also realize that they're not going to change much until they start working on your heart. And so every morning, I don't necessarily struggle with alcohol or any of those kinds of things, but every day I still read through the 12 steps because I find them so helpful. So here are the first three steps in the 12-step groups. Maybe some of you have read these before. We admitted we were powerless over, throwing your vice. We admitted we were powerless over food or finances or alcohol or pornography or whatever else you're struggling with, that our lives have become unmanageable. So we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to standing. We would say the Holy Spirit. We came to believe that only the Holy Spirit can change me. And we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we've understood him. It starts with this recognition that I can't just do it by by reading good literature. I can't just change my habits. The Holy Spirit's got to change my heart. And so every day say, I am powerless to do this on my own. I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to I'm going to change my environment. I'm not going to walk into tempt- temptation. But God, if this is going to happen, you got to do it for me. You got to do it with me. Uh, we got to walk together on this one. And so don't just focus. I think this is the big problem. There's some people who want to just read the literature. And 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 say no, the spiritual stuff, that God stuff, that's about when I die and go to heaven. That's about stuff later on. And then there's some people say, no, just read your Bible. You know, your Bible's enough, you just read enough, everything else will go fine. Do both. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Read your Bible, be filled with the gospel, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then see the best knowledge that this world has to offer. Read good books, read good blogs, read good information, change your environment on the outside, but also you've got to work on the inside. So if you have a take-home point, here's our 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 last take-home point here. Work on your heart as much as you work on your habits. Let the gospel change your heart. Let the Holy Spirit fuel your heart as much as you want to work on your habits. Now, here's the reality. This is going to be a work in, the prog- work in progress. You're going to leave here all jacked up, excited, and you're going to have all these plans, and then maybe Monday you're going to screw it up, and, and that's how it kind of feels. Like two steps forward, three steps back sometimes when it comes to food and finances and family and entertainment and alcohol or whatever else you're struggling with. It's like two steps forward, three steps back. We're a work in progress, every single one of us. And if somebody put something on Facebook that they've figured it all out, they're lying. We're all two steps forward, three steps back. But that should not lead us to hopelessness, especially if you're a Christian, because Paul says this, that as we're doing this this hard work, as we're saying no to ungodliness and yes to self-control, we're doing this all the while, verse 13, as we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. We're doing all this, keeping our eyes looking forward, waiting for Jesus to return. And when Jesus returns, here's the hope. He's going to resurrect this world. He's going to resurrect your body. He's going to resurrect your will. He's going to give you the self-control that you always wanted to have. So now we work. We're a work in progress. We trust in the Holy Spirit. We're confident in God's grace. We we make as much change as we, we can. And then when Jesus returns... He finishes the job. Everything in moderation, like my grandpa said, right? Everything in moderation. That's a, that's a good model for life. Uh, be self-controlled. Everything in moderation when it comes to drinking, when it comes to food, when it comes to finances, entertainment, everything in moderation. And, and so read all the best books out there. Read all the best blogs out there. Set up all the different um, things that you need to set up to have self-control in your homes and your lives. But here's probably the best way to have self-control. If you're going to have self-control, if you're going to stop binging, you got to binge in one area of your life. There's one area of your life that God has even commanded you to binge. There's one area of life that God has demanded that you overindulge. in. what is that? This is what he said. The ancient Hebrews would say this prayer every day. Every day. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Love God with all that you got. Worship God with all that you've got. Binge on God, and you'll begin to practice self-control. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we are powerless on our own to overcome the things that, that we're struggling with. Everyone here has got their own battle. And so we ask, first of all, that you would forgive us, that you would redeem us, that you would break the enslaving chains of addictive patterns in our lives, and that you give us some hope today, Lord God. Give us some encouragement. Put good books, good people, good literature, good stuff in front of us, but then most of all, Lord God, put yourself in front of us. Fill us with the Holy Spirit and let the gospel teach us to say no to ungodliness and yes to self-control and yes to you. Amen.